If you have been reading the end of the book of Acts, you'll understand what Tanya just did a lot more. She was illustrating with Nathan the journey that we've been on for months with Peter and the apostles and Philip and Paul and Luke and Timothy and the others who have, uh, who have traveled as best they could, excuse me, have traveled as best they could in the direction that God had set them in, and there seemed to be so many detours, so many obstacles to overcome. And God used them all. As we looked at last week in Acts 28, at the beginning of the chapter, we see that even though there was a shipwreck, God used the opportunity to bring a whole other group of people, the people in Malta, to Christ through the ministry of the gospel. And so sometimes we think life is about the finish line and about the destination, you know, the final destination point, but life is really about the journey, the journey that we're on each and every day, whoever we're bumping into, who needs to hear the gospel, they're part of our journey and part of God's plan for us. Amen? So I'm going to open with a word of prayer because this is our final week on the book of Acts, and we are going to uh, listen up to God and to his spirit to see what it is that he wants us to take away from this long journey of sermons and weeks and weeks of study. What is it for us individually, but for us as a church community that we need to grasp and not forget as we leave these shores? So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power that it has to change us, to transform the way we think, to, to transform the way we act, to change our motives and desires. And so we continue to ask you to use your word to shape us today. Find us to be open and receptive to what your spirit says through your word this morning work in our lives so that we may be used by you in this world as witnesses to Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So the title of the sermon today is called The End of the Beginning, Acts 28. The End of the Beginning, and you'll see why in a few moments. Some books in the Bible and in very interesting ways. If you've read other books from, from page one to page to the end of whatever chapter it is. For instance, if you take the, the book of Jonah, the book of Jonah actually gives us no clear indication as to what Jonah finally did after he went through all the things that he went through. There's other books in the Bible that give us kind of like this, this feel-good ending, the kind that we really like. For instance, the book of Ruth. In the book of Ruth, by the end of that that book, we realize that she's met her dream man, and they lived happily ever after, supposedly, right? So there is also a much disputed gospel, the end of one of the gospels. Anyone know which one it is? Because usually in your translation, there'll be the ending and then another alternative ending. Do you you know which one of the four gospels that is? Anybody? Mark, right, the Gospel of Mark. Gospel of Mark has an ending and then a few more verses with another ending. And there's some dispute over that because there were two copies, two manuscripts um, that they were looking at in ancient times. But the conclusion to the book of Acts is unique in a different way. 
It does not answer the questions that have been racing through our minds. After this time in Malta that we talked about last week, Paul and his friends, they set sail again. And we're given some of the details in verse 12 and 13. They, they basically put, put themselves on a boat and they begin to uh, go along the shore and try to get to their destination. Now, where are they headed to? Where, where are they supposed to be going? What's their ultimate destination? Rome, right? Rome is the port of call, right? So we have this little throwaway line in verse 14. And we call it a throwaway line because this whole book, at least the, la- the, the latter half of this book, has been about this journey, this, this, this vision that God gave, this, this prophecy that God gave to Paul and to the church that he would go to Rome. And so in verse 14 of chapter 28, it says, there we found some brothers and sisters and we were invited to stay a week with them. And so we came to Rome. That's it. That's the conclusion. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, that's, this whole thing has seemed to be about Rome, about getting to Rome. We then read that he did some preaching there and, and even to some of the Roman guards that, that guarded him there. Remember, he's under arrest. But why are there no verses that tell us about Paul actually standing before Caesar and preaching the gospel? If we were writing the book... We would have that scene as maybe the final scene or maybe even Caesar's response to the gospel. Why are there no details about that? There's so many details about the journey and all the different things that he went through and all the different people that he met and the different things that God did. And I think the answer is this. Simply, Acts is not about Paul's trial in Rome before Caesar. It's about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Acts is about. And so we have to realize that that this whole book has not been about Paul. We remember from the very beginning of the book, this book is about the church. This book is about the Holy Spirit using the people of God to bring the gospel to the four corners of the earth. Yeah, the message of Jesus, which is being preached now in Rome, is monumental in history. But it is far more important than the fate of one individual, even an individual called Paul. This ending, this ending to the book of Acts, I believe is on purpose. I believe the Holy Spirit ended it this way on purpose because God wants us to know that the story lives on through us, the church. He doesn't want it to end with, with a big ending like, like, this is it, everything's complete. He, 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 this is the end of the beginning of the church. It, wasn't, it hasn't been fully resolved even today. And that's what I believe God wants to say to us. This movement of God, this movement of the Holy Spirit to the four corners of the earth is still going on today. We have to grasp that or we are not being faithful to the gospel God wants this story, the story of Christ and his redemption, his forgiveness of sins, and the offer of eternal life to go on and on and on until he returns one day, when he decides to come back. God wants to ask us here today if we're willing to do our part to keep the Jesus story moving, to keep it going, to keep sharing it with other people. 
You see, we began studying this book on February 6th, 2022. That's a long time ago. We began to study this book because we were starting to think about the 50th anniversary of this church. It was planted in 1972. And so we said, wow, we we need to start to think about when they planted the church, what was God inspiring them to do? What was God giving them to do? And they used a verse from Acts as their theme verse to start the church. And we thought we ought to look at that, examine that, and recommit ourselves to that. Because I believe that God does not change. And his desire for the world to know Christ through the people of God is still God's desire today. So today is our 48th sermon on the book of Acts. If you've heard them all, good for you. Most people have have missed one or two. They're all recorded for you on our website if you want to catch up, if you want to go back and start over again. But I want to know after 48 or so sermons on the book of Acts, how do you feel? Do you feel any different? Has anything changed in your life and your perspective on yourself, on the church, on the world? Because if not, we're not doing a very good job. Hopefully there's been some move of God, some changes, something that's been transformed in your understanding. So the question as we come to the end here is, what did we learn And what are we going to do about it? What did we learn and what are we going to do about it? Because the heartbeat of the book of Acts is seeing individuals like you and I, empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, witnessing and going from place to place throughout their lives, telling others about Christ. That's what the church was founded on in the book of Acts. That's what this church, Holden Chapel, was founded on in 1972. And that's where we are today. And we need to make a choice. Are we going to continue down that road until Jesus comes back or not? Are we going to take a detour and lose our way? Many of us may have lost our way. And hopefully this series has helped to bring us back to what it's all about. You see, Jesus outlined what the book of Acts was about in the first chapter of Acts. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The ends of the earth. That's where we're at. Notice Holden wasn't mentioned, or America, or anything like that, because the ends of the earth is like dot, dot, dot. You know, as far as it can go on the earth. That is where the gospel is to go, and the Holy Spirit is to inspire the church to take it. At the beginning of the book of Acts, we saw Peter and the other disciples preach the gospel. Peter preached specifically on Pentecost Sunday in Jerusalem. And then they began to take the gospel into Judea, into Samaria, and eventually to the Gentiles through Cornelius. Then Paul came into the story, Paul and Barnabas. And then Paul and Luke, and they took the gospel further, going on three missionary journeys throughout the ancient Roman world. And here, at last, we see that Paul has been brought to Rome. The gospel is now in Rome. It is there. 
Jesus has come through his people into the city. And Jesus is going to inspire his people to teach and to preach and to proclaim the gospel so that men and women can be saved. The gospel has gone to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and now to Rome. But Rome is not the ends of the earth, is it? It might have been in their mind, but for us, we are on another end. We're in another place where God continues to want to use us to take the gospel to Holden and to Worcester and to Rutland and to Sterling and to Central Mass and into Massachusetts or to wherever you go. He is still on that mission. The mission has not changed. But what have we learned from reading these 28 chapters? Well, number one, we learned it's not going to be easy. Do you remember how many times they were arrested and beaten and shipwrecked and all kinds of things? Do you remember all that? Don't forget it. Because when you're trying to share the gospel faithfully as a, as a witness for Christ and things don't go well, I don't want you to think, I must be doing it wrong. I'm not good enough. Nobody listens to me. Wah, wah, wah. You know? They didn't do that. They got up sometimes out of prison and just started preaching all over again, right where they were arrested the day before. Or the, Paul was stoned with stones and he was, he was left for dead and then the people come and pray for him and he's back up again and, and preaching in another town. He doesn't give up. And so one of the things we need to learn is it's not going to be easy. Can you say that with me? It's not going to be easy. But we're going to continue to do it. That is the determination that the Spirit wants to put in our hearts, the boldness that He wants to give us. Because not everyone who hears the gospel will believe the gospel. We know that for a fact. Scripture is clear about that. Look at chapter 28, verse 26 through 28. I'll read this to you because this is what Paul, we're right almost to the very end of this book. He's there trying to persuade them to believe. He's using the Old Testament as his guide because he's speaking to the Jewish community there in Rome, trying to bring the gospel to them as he's been faithful to do every place he's gone. And it says in verse 24, some were persuaded by what he said, but others did not believe. And then disagreeing among themselves, they began to leave after Paul made one statement. And here's that statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors through the prophet Isaiah, see, he's going back and using scripture as his foundation, when he said, go to these people and say, you will always be listening, but never understanding. You will always be looking, but never perceiving. For the hearts of these people have grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing. They have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn. And I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Again, he's speaking to the Jewish community because he always did that when he entered a city. 
he went to the synagogue, or, or here, in this case, he couldn't go. They came to him asking, what is, what's all this ruckus about? Why are you here? And he says, haven't you heard? In the verses before, haven't you heard about me? And they said, well, we've heard something, but we, don't, we, we didn't hear clearly what was going on. And so he was taking the opportunity to share Christ with them. But again, some believed, but as it says clearly in verse 24, but others did not believe. So in sharing the gospel with your friends, with your loved ones, with your workmates, with other students, when some don't believe, don't get discouraged. I know that's hard because our flesh is easily discouraged. But the Spirit of God in you, call on the Spirit of God in you to give you a boldness and a courage to move forward, to continue to be faithful, to continue to try to share Christ with others, even those who don't want to listen. You see, this passage is is an old passage from the book of Isaiah, hundreds of years old, but it predicts that people would deliberately close their minds because they didn't want to hear the ultimate message. And Paul says that that is what's happening in Rome right now in chapter 28, just as the prophet Isaiah had predicted. Paul uses this passage from Isaiah in exactly the same way that Jesus himself used this passage in his last encounter with the Jews. Back in the book of John, chapter 12, verse 36 and 40. It's almost an exact quote. Then Paul, Paul's final words to the Jews is, let it be known that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. So we have the assurance that some will listen. Not all, but some. Acts 28, 28. What was the reason that they refused to believe? What was the reason they refused to believe? As we try to think about and analyze this account, you can see that I think it was because it meant they would have to change. Jews were very traditional. Everything was as it always had been and passed down to generation to generation to generation. Jesus didn't quite come the way that they thought he would come. And so they held on to their tradition and rejected Christ. We have to be careful of that too. We have a tendency to want to keep things comfortable or at least the way that we think they should be. But the book of Acts shows us God can blow that all out of the water. He can do his own thing in his own way because God is God and we are not. When we try to be God or we try to make God fit into our size mold, he doesn't fit. He's too big for that. He doesn't fit into that size. We have to get to a point of understanding how the Spirit of God moves is often beyond what we could ask or imagine. It's, it's bigger than what we could see. Just like the book of Acts, it's more than just a story about a couple of guys and finally Paul making it to Rome. It's more than that. It's bigger than that. It's grander than that. God's plan is for all people, that none would be saved. But he knows that the heart of mankind is evil and desires sin all the time. And so some will not receive the grace of God. You see, they don't receive the grace because the grace requires 
change. Change. They didn't believe because they didn't want to be changed. That happens with us sometimes too. Sometimes we're reading in scripture and we come across this this wonderful verse or this wonderful passage and we're like, wow, you know, that's amazing. But hmm, if I applied that to my life, I might have to change. I might have to change my attitude. I might have to forgive that person. I might have to stop doing some of the things I've been doing. Hmm. I don't think I'm going to go there. See, we, we all have a tendency to want to keep things in control, our control. And the book of Acts shows us only one in control of this was God. The only one who's in control of that ship during the shipwreck that we talked about last week was God. He allowed it to go through that, and he brought every single person through alive. That was the miracle, right? He brought them in through a crazy shipwreck alive. That was God's plan. Nobody could have orchestrated that. But here's the thing. We have this problem in ourselves. People resist anything that disturbs their own peace, their own tranquility, and their own comfort. We don't like to be uncomfortable. That's just the truth. If I asked you now, let, let's go out and finish the service in the parking lot. Like our brothers and sisters in Belarus. Let, let's just go out there to identify, you know, just to cement ourselves to our brothers and sisters around the world who don't have a, a beautiful, cushioned, air-conditioned speaker system, everything else that we take for granted, screens, signs, you know, the bathrooms. We take it all for granted. Now, God has graced us with it, but we are to use it for his purposes, not to just get comfortable and fall asleep, but to use it for the purpose of God, which is to bring the gospel to the world, not just to you and me and no more, but to the world who desperately needs to hear it. So what else have we learned from this book? Well, we've learned that it won't always be easy or comfortable to follow God and to, to be used by his spirit as witnesses in the world. But we've also learned that we must stay open to the creative power and the movement of the spirit of God. He doesn't always do what you think he should do. He doesn't always do it your way. If Paul and the others had a choice, they would have said, no shipwreck, please. Right? That's not what happened. God had another way. Because the people of Malta, for some reason, God's heart was big for the people of Malta. He wanted to make sure that they didn't miss this message of Jesus. And he wanted Paul to bring it to them. God has a big heart for the world. He doesn't want anyone to miss it. That's why poor little Nathan had to do all those, all those detours. Tony didn't want him to miss anyone on his journey. Well, God has the same kind of heart for the world. Sometimes we close our eyes and we close our ears to the world, but God never does. He sent his son for them too. So let's look at these last two verses. Remember, I like to call this message the end of the beginning. The book of Acts is, is just the beginning of the record of the spirit of God empowering the movement of Christ through the body of Christ, through the world. So the world would know that Jesus has come back from the dead, has been resurrected from the dead, defeated death and sin on the cross, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father. His ascension 
He is victorious. And through him, we receive victory over our sin, over our death, through Christ. Not because of anything we did, but because of the gift of God. So Acts is really just the first chapter of the church taking this message to the world. We've come now to the last page of the last chapter and the last few verses. Because right now, history is continuing to unfold, and I want you to see the wisdom of God as he put his word together. That right now, we're living in fresh and new, wonderful chapters of this book. They're being written today through our lives and through the lives of brothers and sisters around the world. Ultimately, our story gets incorporated into the end of this story. So here's the last couple verses, starting verse 30 and 31. Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house. Now, he was still a prisoner. He was under house arrest. And he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. I want that word to echo. Hindrance. Hindrance, without hindrance, okay? One of the most important things about this last verse is this last word. And in Greek, it's only one word. In English, we have to use two. You notice how the book of Acts ends? With the word hindrance or without hindrance. It's actually a Greek word, akolutos. You can say it, akolutos. Now you speak Greek, right? It means, it's one word, like I said, in English we use two, without hindrance. Or in some translations it says unhindered, so they do try to make it into one word so that it matches the Greek. But it means that the gospel is free. In other words, it's not, it's not hindered, it's not, it's not imprisoned. Even though Paul is under house arrest, the gospel is not under house arrest. The spirit of God isn't under house arrest. The church isn't under house arrest. Yes, one of their members is under house arrest. But even that one member continues to act. He doesn't sit there and, you know, suck his thumb and get his blankie and say, oh, poor me. I'm here under house arrest. I can't do what I want to do. I wanted to go to the theater. I can't go to the theater. I wanted to go visit my aunt. I, I can't visit my aunt. I'm stuck here in this house. I'm in a bad mood. It's raining. Wah. That's not what Paul did. That's what you do. That's what I do. But that's not what Paul did. Paul took every opportunity he could take under the limitations that he had. And the gospel was not hindered. It went forth freely from that house, from that apartment in that big city of Rome. That word, akolutos, describes the freedom of the gospel that still exists today. It has not changed. may not be politically correct, nor was it politically correct here in Rome. Let's remember that. Paul's life is getting shorter day by day. But Paul used the opportunity that he had, the house that he was able to rent, and he was unhindered. Now, he couldn't walk around the city. He couldn't go visit people outside of his house. 
He was still chained day and night to a Roman soldier, a Roman guard. But instead of looking at what he couldn't do, he took advantage of what he could do. And this is what we must do. We must take advantage of what we can do. There are some things you cannot do. This is true. But the gospel is not chained. The gospel is not locked up. The gospel is not locked down. The gospel is not shut out. The gospel can freely flow through you in what you can do. So what could Paul do? Well, let's see. He could welcome friends into his home. Can you do that? Oh, oh, okay, okay. Yes, you can welcome friends into your home. Oh, but my home's not pretty. Who cares? It's, it's summer. You can sit outside your home if your home's not pretty. The outside around your home might be pretty, right? We have all these things. We hinder ourselves with our own limited thinking, but the gospel's not limited. And I want you to leave here with this message resounding in you. The gospel goes with you, and the gospel is free to move according to the Spirit of God. So he could walk around his house and he could walk around his yard. Most of us can do that too. He could minister and he could teach. He could share Jesus, it says, proclaiming the kingdom of God, teaching about the Lord Jesus. You know something about Jesus. You can't be a member of this church and not know something about Jesus. You might not know everything because none of us do, but you know something. You know he died on a cross for your sins. You know that you don't have to earn forgiveness. You know the basics of the gospel. You can share that with others. You are able to do that. I love Paul as an example because he never complains. He never complains. He writes letters during this period of time. And his letters are full of joy and rejoicing. It's kind of wild because you would think it would be about the chains and the prison and the, the hindrances, but instead he's joyful, and he asks them to be joyful for him and with him. He welcomed everyone who came into his house, and he sent letters back out with them, letters he had written for them to take back. Those letters changed the world. It was during this time that he wrote the letter of Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, and the letter of Philemon. All four of those letters came during this short period of time, these, these 12 to 18 months or so. He wrote those letters, and when people visited him, he said, hey, take this back to the church and read it to them. I want to greet them. I, I miss them. I love them. I want to visit them again if I can. He was very positive because he was filled with the hope of God. You and I should be grateful that God kept... Paul's still long enough in Rome to actually write these letters to us because we're part of the recipients of those letters. Otherwise, we would be deprived of some of these great messages, these great passages, and these teachings that he put together. Those teachings have changed history time and time again. They've changed history, not just your personal life, but the history of the world. As the gospel has been proclaimed in nation after nation to people after people. I'm grateful that Paul was under house arrest. Because he had time to write some letters. Otherwise he might be out on another ship fighting another storm, doing whatever, getting stoned. But he had time to sit. And the Holy Spirit used him to write letters to you and to me. In the next year or so, a great persecution breaks out under the vicious Emperor Nero. 
which is one of the greatest persecutions that Christians have ever experienced. This is when you hear about them throwing Christians to the lions and all of that kind of stuff. But the word of God was unhindered. It was free. It moved. The more they persecuted, the more it spread. Just as has happened again and again in history. Our brothers and sisters in Belarus, yes, it's a terrible thing that their church was knocked down with bulldozers, that the government took over their property. All of that has that happened last week. But it's also a good thing for the church in Belarus because I know God is faithful and he will bring more to, the, to Christ. He, the church will grow stronger. People will have a deeper conviction. People will be more bold than they've ever been before. That is what history shows to us. It happened in China. It happens anywhere where a government tries to step in and squash out the church. The church just goes underground and grows really deep roots. And I don't know what you know about plants, but plants with really deep roots are hard to get up. Think about the dandelion, that dang old dandelion that wants to be on your lawn. If you don't get the root, I mean the long, skinny, white root that goes all the way down, that thing just comes right back. And it comes back looking happy and healthy and so joyful to be on your lawn because it's got deep roots. When persecution and hardship and difficulties and trials come, Paul says, rejoice. Your roots are going deep. You're getting deeper into the gospel. You're knowing more of God's faithfulness, more of his sufficiency for you. God is good. Even when things, circumstances are bad. Paul does eventually appear before the emperor or some kind of court. In the next year or so, when that when that persecution goes, they think historically he was released for a little while and then he was rearrested. There's, there's evidence for that in historical fact, not so much in scripture, although there are little hints here and there in some of the books that he wrote. But here's the, the bottom line. The word of God never stopped spreading never stopped moving. The church was empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, and it moved along all the way to us today. It's like a wave on the, on the, on the beach. It's just coming up, coming up, coming up. The tide is coming up. The word of God is spreading. It's getting further and further, impenetrating more and more people, more and more people groups. The word of God will never stop because Jesus is faithful, and the Spirit of God empowers the church to hold on when things get tough and to continue to share the good news of Jesus. God has an unstoppable, spirit-empowered plan. He just does. And no one can change that. No government, no stubborn people, no atheist group, no witches having their conference in Boston. They can't stop the plan of God. The plan of God continues to go forth. So let's remember... It wasn't like all the very smartest and brightest and best Christians got together after Jesus went to heaven and they had a conference and they had committees and they they made a plan to reach the world. That ain't what happened. This is not a man thing. Man didn't come up with this plan. God did. And God inspired it by his spirit. They didn't come together in a little group and say, how are we going to make Christianity grow? What should we do first? Hmm. That's what we do. Kind of drives me crazy, but that's what we do. That's what we've been trained to do, right? 
Now, what they did do is they gathered in the upper room and they prayed their hearts out. And they stayed there for a long time and they just prayed and prayed and prayed. They didn't know what was going to happen. They just knew Jesus told them to do it, so they went and did it. He said, wait in Jerusalem for the Spirit to come on you. And then the Holy Spirit came and led the church out into the world. Through the mess, through the trials, through the suffering, through the shipwrecks, through the snake bites. But they brought Jesus to the world. So regardless of the trouble, Jesus kept moving them along, moving them along, moving them along. So the question that I have for me and for you is, are we in sync with that same spirit-empowered plan of God? Are we in sync with the Holy Spirit? This is the question that we need to keep muddling through and processing and thinking about as we close this chapter in the book of Acts. Because if we're not in sync with the Spirit, if we're not in sync with God's plan for the world, we are just off on a detour, off wasting our time, God wants to empower the church to reach the world, to reach the lost. When I say the world, sometimes you think, oh, a a big global map. No, the lost, the lost right near you, the lost in your neighborhood, the lost in your home, the lost in your schools, the lost in your business. He wants to use you and empower you, no matter how hard it is, no matter the fact that some won't listen or believe. The power that's available to us is the exact same power of Pentecost. It has not changed. It is the Spirit of God. The conditions of the world are the exact same conditions that they had back then. Some people won't believe. Some people will persecute you. But God's plan will prevail. It will prevail. We are to stay in sync with the Spirit every step of the way. No matter what lays ahead of us, we are to stay in sync with the Spirit and continue to share the gospel, as it says, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. That's the end of the book of Acts. So, may God help us to be men and women of faith and courage and vision, willing to move along with God's plan. Not stand in his way, not drag our feet, not shut our ears, but listening to him every day of our lives. You see, how did Paul get to Jerusalem? One step at a time. Putting one foot in front of the other. Continuing to move day after day, week after week, month after month. He didn't give up. God empowered him as he will empower us to keep moving. Keep moving. If you're a believer, take a small step. Pray for the kingdom to come in you and through you in the world that God has placed you in. Pray as you share the gospel with others. Pray for opportunities. Pray for a way to bring Jesus up in a conversation in such a way that it brings the spirit of God into that room. Maybe God will call you, like he called Paul, to be a missionary overseas. 
But maybe he'll just call you to be a missionary to your neighbor, to a person you already know well enough. So let's take our place today in God's big story. The story of the book of Acts, the story of the move of God through the church in the world. And let's share the love and let's share the good news that Jesus loves them and died for them and desires to bring them into his family through the grace and forgiveness of sins. You see, the drive, the motive of the book of Acts is an outward-focused church. We get too easily inward-focused. We're focused on our own stuff. And we all got stuff. Trials, tribulations, problems, right? And we could just spend all our time on our own stuff. The problem is, that doesn't bring the gospel out into the world, right? We have to ask God to change our focus so that we're not always only focused on ourselves. But that we remember that the book of Acts is outward. It's like an explosion that just keeps going out, 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 out. And we are part of that. So we have to ask ourselves as a church, are we an outward church or are we an inward church? These are hard questions. I think we can be outward if we follow Jesus out the front doors of the church. Every time we come to visit And we spend some time in here on Sunday, we go out into our mission world. We go out to share the gospel. We go out into our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Rutland, our Sterling, our Paxton, our Hubbardson. We go out from here, realizing that the message of Jesus is going with us. That Jesus died and rose again so that the world could hear the good news. Not just us. The whole world needs to hear it. So, as we close this, let's Take Jesus to the ends of the earth. Let's just do it. We don't know how we're going to do it. We don't know where he'll send us, but let's commit ourselves to do it. I want to show you a quick map of America. It's only a small part of the world. But this is a map that someone took the time to say, what is the percentage of people who attend a weekly religious service? That's the only way you can kind of measure spiritual commitment. Doesn't mean you're spiritual by going to church. You're spiritual because of your relationship with Jesus. But you get it, right? So you can see the dark areas. Those are, have the highest percentage of people. You can see the lighter blue. Those have sort of like medium percentage of people. But then you can see the white. Now let's go to the next slide. That white section is where we live and where we vacation and where we go to work and where, where most of our friends live. New England. New England is the least, the least churched part of the country. You live in Rome. (laughs) You live in Rome, right? And like Paul, Jesus is asking us to unleash the gospel on Rome. We are limited. Maybe you can only do it from your house. Maybe you can only write letters. Maybe you can only make phone calls. But you can do something because you're here in church. You got in a car and you, you, you got here somehow. So you can do something. Pray that the Spirit of God would embolden all of us to take the gospel to our world.
Our world, in America at least, is the least interested. So what's going to happen? They're not going to like you. Uh, They're going to persecute you. But they still need to hear that Jesus loves them. That he died for them. That he has a plan for them. That there is hope for the future because of Christ. Amen? So Jesus said these words. We're going to end this study of Acts with these words of Jesus. Back from Luke, the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. Let's read it aloud together. Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Let's pray. God, we know this is true. It's still true. Jesus said it over 2,000 years ago, and it's still true. And we do pray that you would send us out as workers in your harvest field. We don't know how you're going to do it. We're not in control of how you're going to do it. But we want to put one foot in front of the other and be faithful to do it. To do what we can do. God, we want to be ready to tell others about Jesus. He's the reason we come here. He's the reason we have life and we have hope. So no matter what, please send your spirit to equip us, to embolden us, and to move us out into our harvest field, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.